0: Cyber24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35-plus years means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. Check them out at blcm.com. Welcome to the Cyber24 Podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping business and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions to keep your organization safe. My name is Marty Carpenter of Northbound Strategy. I work in thought leadership. Today, our guest is Sangita Krishna. She is the author of a new book called Thriving in a Data World. Uh, she's worked for Fortune 500 companies and for nonprofits, for everything in between. She works with Bayer at the moment. We're going to talk to her about a number of important things. First, we're going to get into a little bit about her book, Thriving in a Data World. Then we're going to talk a little bit about how businesses have uh, this investment in data, from their leadership and the IT guys can go and deliver it. But how do you really build data into the culture of your business? What buzzwords are there with data that she sees that are overblown or overused? And what does it take to make sure a data project doesn't fail and in fact lives up to the expectations? It's a really interesting conversation with Sangeeta Krishnan. Hope you enjoy it. I wonder if you'd tell our audience a little bit, first and foremost, about yourself, about your professional background, and some of the expertise that we're going to talk about today.
1: From an education perspective, I have a master's in computer science, um, and then I started off my career as a software engineer, like a web developer, basically. Um, and over years, obviously, I have moved around in more progressive roles and like kind of de- did a couple of like project management, product management data visualization, data analytics, and uh, pretty much anything in between. And also, my background is more like um, working in different um, industries as well, and also companies of different sizes. So I do understand the pain point, uh, not just about Fortune 500 companies, but I have also worked in companies which are like... Kind of not exactly a startup, but more like a small family owned, smaller businesses and so on, and something not for profit. And so I have like a more well-rounded, I would call for myself. So that is uh, my background.
0: Excellent. Uh, You've also uh, written a book, Thriving in a Data World. I wonder if you would, well, first of all, settle the argument. Do you say it thriving in a data world or thriving in a data world? Because you wrote the book. Which way do you say the, uh, the title?
1: I say it as thriving in a data world. Thriving
0: in a, <laughs> thriving in a data world. All right, we'll stick to that. Tell me a little bit about the book and why why you decided to tackle this topic, and uh, and what what you want people to learn from your your work.
1: A um, couple of um, reasons for writing a book. One is like I really read a lot too, so obviously normally the tendency is if. If you're a good reader, you may develop at some point a writing habit. So I am definitely a very heavy reader myself. Um, And other reasons being working in the data, I have mentored like a lot of junior staff, like a lot of people trying to get into or also transitioning into uh, data kind of roles. So my aim of writing a data book was to uh, serve two kinds of audience, mainly because this is not a technical, technical book like a coding book. Uh, But rather, this is more like a fun read, I would say, to walk people through what involves to be successful in a data career, right? So, And that is for two segments of audience, I would say, one, somebody who is trying to enter, what are all the things they should know, at least the bare minimum, they should know all these things. And also for uh, managers and uh, decision makers who not always have a very heavy uh, technical or a data background to consider, uh, to see the lens uh, from that perspective so those are my main audience for the book
0: excellent uh what was the most difficult thing you see about working in a in a data world what that's that's sort of the crux of the book so what's the most difficult thing you see about working in a data world
1: Um, one of the things I see as difficult is um, people, people build like, I mean, there is no scarcity of like expertise, like technical expertise. And again, the answer could vary depending on which company we're talking about or which team we are talking about. But we do have a a lot of expertise from a technical perspective per se, but when it comes to data adoption, I think like it doesn't matter whether it's a very small company, big company, everybody has their pain points. You build like a beautiful dashboard, whatever, nobody wants to use it or nobody is using it. So the adoption, I would say I've seen across, like it is a constant challenge many people uh, face.
0: Hmm. So does that mean within a company or within a you know a business structure, whatever that organization may look like, that uh, leadership can see or at least recognize the uh, importance or potential of utilizing data and spend the money to put it together and try to make it user friendly? But it's it sounds like it's a culture issue almost that people need to say, "Hey, I need to get out of the way that I just do things and figure out how to make the most of the data that we've invested in." Is that am I understanding what you're saying there correctly?
1: Um, totally. And I'm going to add a couple of points. And actually, this is such a vast topic the culture part of it, too, like data literacy of the organization and so on. I have dedicated a chapter to describe, like, you know, detail out like all the elements of why there is a struggle. Uh, because when you think of it from a technical standpoint, I mean, there is a cost associated, right? If we, there is a buy in, like, okay, we have to start using uh, data. And during COVID, many companies went remote. And And so people had to really work all these technology tools to be even efficient and and even to survive. Even companies who never have thought they will need a website. I mean, doesn't matter. They have to have it, right? I mean, it's not going to work. So some kind of data collection and data governance was established during that time. Um, So from a technical standpoint, it's more of a conscious decision. Do I need, do I have the money? Can I, uh, spend on this? And what kind of uh, investment? I mean, ROI, I'm looking at it, right, for this investment I'm doing. So that's more of a straightforward, I would say, but the culture aspect cannot be that linear where we can say, okay, if I put all these fancy tools and if I have all this training, people will automatically start using. That doesn't work like that. So there is a data adoption, data enablement part two, right? You have to empower and enable your whole organization, which is very challenging because sometimes it's not even like the most fancy tool in the market. It's more like making them see the value of data. So I would say like take one use case at a time kind of an approach, because if you build all these big, big stuff and nobody's even following and if your business uh, in general was running on excel it's not like overnight it is going to change to say okay now we have all these beautiful reports built for us let's start using so that is why i would say like it is more to show your audience like use case by use case to so that they can see okay this is my value and then you kind of bring them along
0: Mm-hmm. It sounds a little bit like a you know if you're thinking about this from a, a leadership standpoint within an organization that you have the C-suite or the leadership, the management in some form saying we're in on this, and mm-hmm. and then the IT side being able to say, uh, hey, we can go get the data and we can present it in a way, and then it's like everybody else needs to. You know you have to kind of bridge that gap. So everyone else within the organization starts to utilize it. I'm wondering, like is that just a matter of leadership needs to do a really good job of not only recognizing what kind of data they need and how to present it, but but helping uh, their team come along in incorporating that into their daily routines? or is like what what have you seen that has been successful or unsuccessful for companies when they've come up to that point where they say, we have the data? We have it in a way that can be presented. How do we get that last that last leg of the process where it's actually incorporated and people are utilizing it?
1: Um, I would like to say it, answer it as an approach where there are, in any organization, there will be somebody who is more like, you know, they, they are very curious. They have this passion. Okay, whatever next new thing comes, they jump into it. So there will be such players in every team, every org, But there are always data doubters where they feel like their gut feeling is maybe more correct because they have done it for a very long time. So those people are very tough to bring them along. So I wouldn't say, I mean, there is definitely a leadership. um, It has to come from a top down, definitely, because the leadership has to have a buy-in. Otherwise... There are multiple problems, right? First of all, you won't have the funds allocated to do any of these investments. So you'll fail even before you start. It doesn't matter. You have the technical talent. But if I have to say that I'm not going to spend on the infrastructure, I'm not going to have like this kind of data collected. It doesn't really matter whether you have the technical expertise or not in place. So leadership buy-in is needed, but at the same time, how do you bring along your data? Doubters is an area where the focus needs to go, where you have to really show them the value. I mean, by doing it, how is it uh, changing your everyday job, right? I mean, it's it doesn't always have to be like, um, it is not just about easier. Okay, can I do this step easier? It's also the quality of work. There are many aspects, many KPIs to measure. Um, and also another reason is, how do you bring them along if you don't tie some rewards for that, right? There, is, there should be some kind of an incentive for people to play with it. That has to come in as an organization also because you can always say, okay, let's all use data, but if you don't have their uh, incentive or promotions or next progression for them tied to for using data, the people who anyway question data will not use it. I mean, there is it's not going to happen.
0: If you're looking for protection from uncontrolled access, Salto can deliver the perfect solution tailored to your exact requirements to provide you with all the security convenience and control you need. With Salto, you install access control in a wire free environment. So there's no need to hardwire the building because Salto works on a virtual network. You can enroll or replace a lost key within seconds, making reprogramming and re-keying a problem of the past. See how Salto can make your access control and building security simpler and safer at vlcmtech.com/salto that's vlcmtech.com/s a l t o The demand has never been greater for business owners and IT professionals to invest in intelligent security camera systems. At the intersection of physical security and cybersecurity, an increasing number of organizations struggle to take a proactive approach to surveillance. Verkata's all-in-one physical security platform makes this decision easy with features like plug-and-play installation, centralized management, secure remote access to cameras, and smart features and alerts. Smarter security starts with Verkata. Learn more at vlcmtech.com slash Verkata. That's vlcmtech.com slash V-E-R-K-A-D-A. The data industry is full of buzzwords, and I think that applies to tech or really any industry, but maybe data as an industry has more buzzwords than most. Which is your favorite overused buzzword and... Maybe, you know, is is it your favorite because no one really understands what it means? What's, what's your favorite? Where would you say, hey, that's a buzzword that I've heard a lot?
1: Um, I would say a few of them, actually. And as you rightly said, there are several of them to pick from. Uh, I would say uh, for some people, it's insights. Everybody wants to be data-driven and full of insights. These two words like data-driven and insights is always there. Uh, Storytelling sometimes gets used uh, kind of like not with very good clarity and artificial intelligence. Many people kind of mix and match with all these words like I have to have like data driven insights and now I have to have artificial intelligence. When you really start talking to those people. Sometimes they're not even talking so much about artificial intelligence. They're just talking about some kind of process improvements. I mean, it's their work for process they are talking about, not necessarily a AI. So those are very common buzzwords, like and that is overly used everywhere. And um, some of the buzzwords I try to explain insights being one of them in my book. I try to explain what exactly is an insight um because many people think they know what is inside but that is not necessarily the case like how when you collect data will you have a magical insight from somewhere uh that is the impression many people have oh i have all this data now where is my insight i mean it doesn't work like that
0: yeah i I imagine part of it is helping people understand that there are buzzwords and that if you if you're going to get the most out of you know your efforts or your investment into the data world, to thrive in a data world, as you would say, you got to get past the buzzwords or at least really understand what you're saying when you're saying it.
1: And also uh, kind of a common definition, right? Because sometimes what happens is everybody in the team themselves forget about cross-functionally even within the team everybody's understanding is a bit different of what are the initiatives they're working on what is the value they're going to add so that clarity needs to happen across the organization to really um kind of get the benefits out of your investment on data mm-hmm. uh,
0: is that why uh, so many data projects fail just that people are, are kind of honed in on those buzzwords or or why did why did data projects generally fail when you see them fail or why why do they not live up to expectations
1: um actually um there are several reasons um a couple of reasons i'm going to highlight um because one of the reasons is the value which it's overcommitment. sometimes sometimes people feel just by doing this project i can solve everything and it doesn't live up to the expectation just because the all the other processes in place has not been fixed. Like if you have a steps, a 10 steps of workflow process and nothing else you fixed, just by investing in one of these data projects is not going to fix all your problems, right? So that is one of the core reasons, like the overcommitment of what can be delivered, and also not engaging like stakeholders from the beginning during the solutioning process, during talking through how we are building it. It Sometimes in some organizations I've seen, it doesn't happen like that. What I mean by that is uh, there will be like a problem and people will talk about that problem from a business perspective. And then the technical teams will take on from there, rather than collaborating with them and saying, this is something we have to build together because everybody has a different perspective. The technical teams sees things in a different way than the end user and the business users so if that collaboration happens correctly from the beginning there is buy-in already because they have invested their time too it's kind of solves the other topic we were talking there's no adoption yeah there is no adoption because their feedback was never taken in the first place you build something fancy and the most cool tool Uh, From a developer standpoint or from a tech team, it looks perfect. I feel everybody wants to use it. But once you ship it off on the other side, asking them to use, nobody feels the same excitement as you felt. So those are some of the reasons. I'm sure there are several other I can go over. But these are some of the main reasons I would say uh, data projects fail and they don't live up to expectations simply because of slightly overcommitment
0: yeah uh my background is in consulting i've I've worked as a consultant um for the last say six years and before that kind of an in-house counselor um and so i've I've noticed a, this uh, situation where when I come to a client who has a, a problem that they would like me to help them think through and solve, you're dealing with whatever whatever mess they've already created before <laughs> you started, and that could be a real challenge. so let's take that. Uh, sort of dynamic and move it off to the side and say, let's say there's a business that knows it needs to invest in data, has not yet made a decision about how to do that, but is really conscious and you know maybe has read your book and says, we want to not only have data, we want to thrive in a data world. So, wh- where would you tell a business uh, to that they should start in order to do this the right way? If you came in and they haven't really messed it up yet, you get a clean slate. What are some keys that you would give them to say, these are the steps you should take to make sure you get this right?
1: First, it's like, I mean, if they already have some data in place or maybe they're starting off, let's take both those scenarios uh, where... Data collection is one aspect of it. I think many people or many companies understand the value of it. That is why they even want to become data-driven, right? So they're either collecting or they already have ideas that I have. I don't have this data. I have to either partner with somebody, a third party or whatever, and get on board this data, or I should start collecting that data. So that process is there. One of the misses, I would say, is if they want to really thrive in that environment, to main areas, which kind of, I wouldn't even say it's neglected, but it sometimes doesn't come as the first uh, thing they should invest on. Data quality and governance, right? I mean, the more and more you build, you have to have governance over the data you collect and you hold. Uh, So that kind of is not always a priority for many people. Um, and the other area is the data privacy because um, data privacy rules constantly change and also depends on which industry we are talking about. And everybody has like HIPAA for a healthcare organization is there. And every org depending on the industry, country, and everything changes, GDPR is there as well, right? So all these rules, and it's not even a static state, meaning these rules constantly update because they're always playing a catch-up game as well. So to be kind of aware, what is something you're allowed to collect? What is something you're allowed to use? All these things are very important to not just build the right products and to really be like conscious of what you're building. You don't want to cross the lines, right? So those two, I would pick as my top uh, ones. Like if somebody really wants to try,
0: yeah. Uh, I wonder if you could identify for us, or tell me if I'm way off base here. But are, are there dangers with data analytics, like ethical concerns, bias, truth telling? <laughs> like can you can you have so much data and, and and I imagine interpret it totally incorrectly or assume things about the data that it's uh, unbiased in nature? but bring your own biases to the table and, and come out with the wrong type of interpretation.
1: Wrong type of interpretation. Also, I kind of cover this topic a little bit as well, like how data bias, right? Data collection. That is why I was talking. I kind of said it in a different way, data governance, because sometimes you, how can you be confident of the data if you don't even know uh, how it is flowing into your system, right? So those are very important because and also the data set, like. I mean, to answer whether there is bias in the models I'm building, I need to know like, what amount of data we're talking about. So all these things, yes, there is um, more than danger, there needs to be awareness. That is where your data governance, data literacy and all those things come into play because it's not as simple as saying, let's collect like large volume. And with all these big data is another buzzword, I would say, everybody uses big data. Uh, for many people, big necessarily doesn't mean big in terms of volume. It is also the quality of data, right? If you have a lot of data, but you cannot use it because you don't have the confidence in them, you, you're you better off with even a lighter data set, which you're very confident about. So that is why, I mean, it's not a danger, but it's definitely an awareness issue like bias. And, and obviously, you could be fined if you like cross those lines. Right. So that is an area I think uh, every company should, while building data products, they need to focus and figure out what is the best approach for a specific industry.
0: So if you could leave our audience today with one key piece of advice, what would you share with them?
1: One key piece of advice I would say is, um, Uh, the shiny object kind of a syndrome, right? Where uh, there are a lot of tools introduced, especially in the BI space, at least, and uh, not just BI space everywhere, but I'm just going to pick on BI space. Um, People, when they are trying to learn, there is always like a feeling, okay, I can move on to this next tool. And it's kind of understood too, because there's so many things you're reading so much online. You're Everywhere you read, you're seeing, okay, this tool can do this, this tool can do that. So I would say leave the audience like to think in terms of like getting better at the data aspects itself. Because picking up a tool and learning, if you know one tool, you definitely can speed up the process and learn another tool. So don't jump from one to another. And it's very costly experiment too from an organization, because no matter what tool you invest in to get the right kind of talent, to have like some kind of uh, like people uh, really start using. And all those things is an investment already. So you cannot, I mean, yeah, there are times after some time you have to move into a different direction. Maybe you have to buy a different tool. You have to invest. It happens, but it shouldn't happen that frequently that every, it's like a cycle, like every six months, oh, there is a new tool. Let me try this. So by doing that, you will never advance in anything. Rather, you will always be in that experimentation. So that is an advice I would say that stay a little away from it and build on your basic knowledge of it doesn't matter which tool you pick. If you understand these are all the 10 things I would need, no matter what, while setting up a data team, it doesn't matter. Picking the tool comes much later. Don't go the other way. Don't pick a tool and learn that, but understand the concepts and then go with it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sangeeta, I want to point people in the direction of your book. If they're interested in uh, buying a copy, where can they find thriving in a data world and where can they follow you for more of your insights?
1: I'm pretty active on my LinkedIn as well. And, um, I have a website as well, which is, uh, same as my first name, last name. And, um, Another uh, aspect I want to bring up is like Amazon is like you can buy both like the physical copy of book or uh, ebook, whatever is the preference for the audience.
0: All right. Uh, Sangeeta Krishnan, thanks so much for your time and sharing your expertise with us today. Uh, we encourage people to go check out the book, Thriving in a Data-Driven World. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. That'll do it for this episode. I wanna thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise To make your business more effective and more productive, check them out at VLCM.com. That's VLCM.com. Special thanks as well to our supporting partners, the Utah Division of Technology Services, the Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute, the Utah Attorney General's Office, the Utah Department of Public Safety, and our friends at SecuVant. A reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can hit us up on Facebook as well, We want to hear from you in either place to let us know what you think, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode. You can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We love those five-star ratings. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week, and stay safe online.